One of my friends from Market Hill, I've known really all, all the days of my life, is getting married next month. And yesterday we were on what's called a stag do. So that's when boys and girls, the groom, gets all his friends together and we have a bit of a laugh and a bit of crack for the day. And yesterday I was just outside Moira at an um, indoor motocross arena. So we went and we got on our bikes and we go around the dirt track. So there's a good long straight. But then there's all these twists and turns through all the, the whole track. And after a few laps, I, I was getting a little bit frustrated uh, for a number of reasons. Partly it wasn't that good, felt unsteady, but like the, just the corners just never seemed to end. But one of the corners went up in a height and the barrier was a little bit lower and you could get down the other side. So I thought, aha, here's the thing to do. Speed up, hope, which was wrong <laughs> in so many ways, to get up over the height, over the barrier, and cut a couple of corners off the course. It didn't go well. I hit the barrier, flipped off my motorcycle or the motocross bike. I landed on my head, my neck, and my shoulder. And well, my neck and shoulders are a little bit stiff this morning, but my head, it's perfect. Well, perfectly fine. There's no injuries from that incident anyway. Why? I was wearing a helmet. And of course, there are all different kinds of helmets, aren't there? For Horse riding, I know people like the horse ride or to riding our bicycles or wearing scrum caps to play rugby. And here today we come to the last two pieces of this Roman soldier's army. And here's a picture of a Roman soldier. We've learnt all about these different pieces and we're on to the, the head now. And well, the Roman soldier's helmet was really above and beyond in its time. Made of iron, historians tell us it would take an axe to maybe penetrate through the helmet. And although it was really heavy and would take a lot of strength to hold it on the, even their heads, they filled it with sponges that was a little bit more comfortable for the soldiers. They really were ahead of their time. So let us look at the, these last two pieces of the armor. The first one, the, head, or the helmet of salvation. And our first point today is mind your head. And we see these signs, maybe if you're on holiday in a, a low ceiling or a low door frame, mind your head. And while we want to mind our heads, and as we've prayed already, that is like the, the phrase that the NHS will use to look after people's mental health, mind your head. And often refers to that protecting of your mind, not just wearing a hard hat on a construction site. And when it comes to spiritual warfare, we need to mind our heads. We need to have this helmet of salvation on because the helmet protects our minds. You know, in sport, they talk about mind games. It's getting into the, the mind of the opposition to unsettle them, to put them off. And that's what, exactly what Satan wants to do with us. He wants to unsettle us, get in our minds, and put us off so he can deal the, the fatal blow upon us. He seeks to plant evil thoughts in our minds. And we need to mind our heads. We need to put on this, the helmet of salvation. And how does Satan look to attack us? Well, Boys and girls at home, if you're, you're following, this is the, the couple of the blanks. Satan attacks our minds by what we are consuming, what we see and hear, and also in our doubting. In terms of consuming what we take in, what we absorb in our day-to-day -day life, from the news articles we read to the, the social media we scroll, looking at influencers on the social media and seeing all they have and being drawn in and jealous, longing for what they have rather than longing for Jesus. Looking endlessly at holidays or property piles for new homes, wanting that rest and security, 
but forgetting our eternal home and rest is in Jesus. From the filth that's widely available on the internet or TV, adverts pushing agendas, the constant inappropriate scenes in your favorite TV program, there's nothing neutral in this life. We need to be careful in what we are consuming because Satan is bombarding us each and every day as he tries to infiltrate our minds. We have no chance of survival if we do not have the helmet of salvation upon us. He will attack us by what we consume and then by our doubting. Satan wants us to doubt salvation. He wants people to doubt Jesus. Satan wants you to think that you are good enough or that you're a part of God's kingdom because you're connected to church or to an organization. Oh, how many people fall into the trap that they've surrounded themselves with reformed people and a Christian value and outlook and they think that is it and that's enough, but it's not because they do not have Jesus. Satan wants you to think that that is enough, that you need something else apart from Jesus. That is Satan attacking our minds. And we need to have this helmet of salvation upon us that we find in Jesus alone. Satan wants non-Christians to doubt salvation, to doubt Jesus' existence, to doubt Jesus' nature as God, to doubt Jesus' resurrection, to doubt Jesus' word. That is what Satan wants non-Christians to do. To doubt that Jesus is the only way. Satan wants people, non-Christians, to doubt. And he wants Christians to doubt too, doesn't he? Doubt that our faith in Jesus is wrong. Constantly plaguing our minds with past sins that we've committed long ago. Polluting our minds that we ignore God's word. Or even pressuring our faith until, well, we deny Jesus. Satan is constantly attacking us and asking us the question that we have these doubts in our mind and we ask, am I even a Christian? Or can even God forgive me? And well, the answer is yes, through repentance and faith in Jesus. The helmet of salvation is needed because it protects our minds from doubting God's saving work in us and from preventing us from being consumed by all that the evil one will throw at us. We need the helmet of salvation because it protects our minds, but the helmet also gives us hope. The helmet gives us hope. In First Thessalonians, Paul says about putting on or to wear the hope of salvation as a helmet. Christians, those who are trusting in Jesus, we are to put on this helmet, this hope in Jesus that protects us from Satan's attacks. The helmet of salvation is what we have in Jesus. We have hope in Jesus. That is the helmet of salvation, that we know Jesus as our Savior and our Judge, that we know we lack nothing in Christ, that we know nothing can separate us from Christ's love. Every day of our life, tomorrow morning, next Saturday, a month down the line, we are to put on this helmet of salvation. We are to remind ourselves daily of Jesus Christ, of his work on earth and his death and resurrection. We remember that Christ has broken sin's power over us. Sin is defeated in Jesus. That is remembering the salvation that he gives us because it gives us hope we remember. We know Christ has won the battle and we can stand firm because we have hope in Jesus. Whenever we are really doubting, whatever we are going through, whenever we are really struggling in this battle with temptations or what we consume or personal battles, we put on the helmet of salvation because it gives us hope. 
hope that our sins are forgiven in Jesus, that Christ's righteousness is now our righteousness, and that we are now part of God's family, and that we have an eternal home to look forward to. That is the salvation hope of this helmet that we are to put on. It's a remembering that salvation hope that we are protected from the evil one. The helmet, all the pieces of armor are divine protection for us. And the helmet protects our minds by reminding us what we have in Jesus. So we've had to take the helmet of salvation in verse 17, and now we come to the sword of the Spirit. Or, and what we need to do is we need to use the sword. This is a picture of a Disney movie, The Sword and the Stone. Uh, it's really about the, the English legend of King Arthur, and this boy forgets his or loses his sword before a competition and he doesn't know the story about the sword and the stone, so he just goes up to the stone, pulls the sword out. But that means he has to be king of England, of course, but he doesn't realize that. And, well, he lifts the sword so he can be king. And, well, we need to lift the sword to fight with the king. We need to use this sword correctly. We need to use the sword to, against the enemy. Yes, Christ has won the war, but we need to arm ourselves with God's word. That is the sword in the battle. See, the, the sword that Paul speaks about here is not, you know, like a big long sword that you'd imagine like a gladiator holding, but it's a much smaller sword that's like a dagger, the word Paul uses. So if we remember way back in verse 12, Paul says about our struggle, and that struggle was the one-on-one -on -one combat, you know, like that wrestling match that's grappling between life and death where you're really at each other's throats, rolling about in the ground, trying to pin the other down. And well, this sword is like a dagger that you can lift out of your, your belt or your side and to thrust. Okay, that's, that's the dagger. That's, this is the context of this armor. It's the real life and death. And this is the sword that we are to use in the, in the struggle. See, the word of God is the sword. The word of God is the sword that we are to use as part of this armor. Do you remember in Sunday school or holiday Bible clubs, you had the sword drill growing up? You had to put the, the Bible at your side and pull it out. And the first one to Hebrews 4.12 got to read it out and got a sweet or something. Well, this is really where, where it comes from. And God's word is the sword. So if you're at home, we're going, you, you can cheat. You'll have the verses up on the screen. But at home, you can fight between each other and who can find these verses first. So the first verse that reminds us that the word of God is the sword is Hebrews 4.12. And this is what it says. For the word of God is living and active sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The power of God's word means that we can continue to persevere in our faith. God's word cuts into us. Just like a sword is able, although it's hard, to cut through joints and marrow, God's word is able to cut through us, to search our hearts, no matter how hard our hearts are, it is God's word that can cut through it. By the power of God's spirit, it can cut through everything. And well, how we respond to God's words revealed in whether we believe it or not. See, people look to God for a new revelation or a new thing or in different places, but it's the sword, God's word, that we can rely upon. That is where God has put his word. We need to use the Bible as our sword. But we need to be using the sword in battle, don't we? What use is a sword if it just stays 
in its scabbard at a soldier's side. It's pointless, isn't it? We need to be using the sword in battle, and we can in different ways. And we're going to think about three ways in which we can use the sword in battle, just very quickly. The first way we can use the sword in battle is to sustain our Christian walk, to help us walk with Jesus every step of our days, whether we're at home or in school or at work. How do I know this? Well, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. Feel free to rustle that up at home. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means whenever I open God's word to read it, whenever I hear it preached, God is looking to teach me. He says, David, you need to learn that God is totally reliable and dependable. David, you need to learn that. You need to be taught that. He says, David, you shouldn't have reacted to that person as you should. You need to be more gracious. You need to be more patient with that person so that I can walk in the footsteps of Jesus, that I can walk more closely with Jesus, that I would be corrected whenever I do wrong. That's my old way of life, but I live a new way, and I follow Jesus' footsteps. I walk close with Jesus, that I might be trained, that I may be walking with Jesus all the days of my life, that people would know I walk with Jesus. God's word, the sword, sustains us in our Christian life. It sustains us. Second way we can use the sword is to protect our Christian life. The word of God protects our life, our spiritual life. When we are tempted, what do we need to do? We need to trust God's word. We need to use the sword in those moments. And a very clear example of that is in Luke 4, whenever Jesus is tempted in the wilderness. We all know that story. And as Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness, every temptation he faces, as Satan approaches him and tempts him, what does Jesus use? He uses God's word. He uses the sword to rebuff Satan's advances. He uses the sword to attack Satan's lies. And we need to use the sword in different situations and occasions so that we can be alive, that our lives would be protected from the evil one. We need to be trained as soldiers. That is why it's so important to raise our children in the word and to teach them and to learn it and point them to Jesus. Because the sword, God's word, will protect their life. Think with me just for a moment. Let's go to the Colosseum in Rome about 2,000 years ago. And we have this, this superior gladiator with years of experience. He has never lost a, a fight. And us, just a young gladiator starting out. And he's about to fight this man, gladiator with experience. And the young one, the young gladiator learning the ropes, you have to study the supreme gladiator, know all his moves that he will use, to know all his tricks and all his positions and how to fend those off. If he comes with a thrust, I know I'm going to take a step back and try and attack him that way. And the, the young gladiator will have to learn and to know exactly what to use whenever the, the experienced gladiator thrusts towards him. And well, that is us as the young ones and Satan as this gladiator with years of experience. He knows all our weaknesses. He knows exactly where to thrust towards us. 
And we need to be trained in the battles that with instinct, we can use the sword to fight off the evil one, to protect our life. See, for a gladiator to effectively use the sword will take practice. For a soldier to effectively use the sword takes practice. And we need to know God's word. We need to use and know the sword so we can fight Satan in the battle. If you are someone who struggles with lusting after others, you need to learn verses like 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, that uh, it's God's will that you be sanctified, that you would avoid sexual immorality. So when that temptation comes, you lift up the sword and say, no, I will flee, and use that to fend off temptation. If you're someone who is prideful, prideful in who you are, what you look like, what your children do, you remember James 4, 6. God opposes the pride. I use the sword and I will not be proud. If you're someone who's constantly lying or, or cheating, you remember Colossians 3, that we don't lie to each other, that we've taken off as Christians this old self and its practices and put on the new self. No, I, I am no longer a person of, of lies or of cheating, but I am a person of truth. And whenever that temptation comes, I say, no, Satan, I use my sword and say, I live for Jesus. Where does Satan tempt you? How do you combat it? Do you curl up in a ball and let the gladiator of Satan stand over you? You cannot do it yourself. You need the sword, God's word, and God's spirit to help you. What verse do you need to equip yourself with to know the sword that you can fend off the attack of the evil one? How are you going to use the sword the next time? Is it going to be closed, as it were, or are you going to use it and have it open? That's why we need and do learn memory verses to remind ourselves of this battle where our strength comes from. Effectively using the sword takes practice. And that is why we learn and hide scripture in our hearts. That's why the psalmist writes in Psalm 119 and verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. If we want to overcome Satan's attack on us, we must be able to use the sword, God's word, to protect our lives. And then finally, we use the sword because the sword gives life. The sword gives life. Now, often we think of a sword bringing death to people and to someone, but, well, God's word is a sword that gives life. Why? The end of, towards the end of John's gospel, John has been writing about Jesus and all the signs and wonders. And why has John written all those things? That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life. It is God's word that points to the life we have in Jesus. All the Bible points to Jesus. All the Bible points to the life we can have with Jesus. We can have faith, not based on the whim, but based on strong evidence. And we are totally dependent on God's Spirit to help us as we read God's word, the sword gives life because it points us to our Savior, Jesus. We need to learn to be gladiators, to use the sword to sustain us in our walk with Jesus, to protect our lives, and also to give life. Give life to, lives, life to yourself and also use it for others. Use the sword. It's the sword will show us whether we have life or whether we have death. If you're living with Jesus, you have life. If you're living without Jesus, you have death. We are all engaged in the battle, but with Jesus comes victory 
without Jesus comes defeat. As we've been reminding each other, we need to have all these pieces of armor. We need the sword to fend off the evil one and the helmet of salvation to protect our minds and remind us of the salvation we have by faith in Jesus. Let's go to war. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Amen.